September 27th, 2017. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorn, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. Chet, what a wild 18 hours of finishes with Penn State winning on the last play of the game at Iowa close to midnight, and the Eagles coming back to win at the gun Sunday afternoon. Yeah, quite a weekend for sure, Bill. And for anyone who didn't get to hear the radio call of Penn State's dramatic win, this is how our pal Steve Jones described it on the Nittany Lions radio network. Winner to lose it right here. Fourth and goal at the seventh. Sorley up to the line of scrimmage. In the gun. Takes it. Back to pass. Blitz coming. In the end zone. Throws. Got it. Touchdown. Penn State. Jawan Johnson and the Nittany Lions at the wire win it. Love it. Great call. Great call by Steve. We'll we'll talk a little bit more about that, Chet, as we go. But, hey, before we get to tonight's special guest, sports columnist for the Bucks County Courier Times, Tom Moore, I'd like to say this. Preparing for and doing this show for one hour every Wednesday is the most enjoyable time of my week, and I, I plan to keep it that way. So with that said, I know there's an elephant in the room with the NFL players kneeling, standing, locking arms, staying in the locker room and all that. But we're not going to talk about it. We're not avoiding it. We're just not making it part of our show. That's it. It's over, and we're going to talk sports tonight, as we always do. Comment, Let's Mr. Chesco, on that. You good? You got it. I love it. Let's do it. Let's get moving here. Uh, uh, all right. So with that business out of the way, let's welcome back Tom Moore to the show. Tom, welcome. How you guys doing tonight? Fantastic. Doing great. Hey, Tom, thanks so much for joining us once again. And by the way, if you make this a good show, I'm going to give you my Philly Press Box Radio weekly paycheck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. What's the old Billy Preston song? Nothing from nothing is nothing, right? You got it. You know it. (laughs) Hey, Tom, before we talk Eagles and Sixers and whatever else we get to with you, let's talk a little Tom. Some changes at the group of newspapers you've been working with for a long time, and your duties have very recently changed, right? Yeah, I am now the columnist for the pa- uh, for the papers. So whereas I was a Sixers beat writer for 29 years, now I am writing about – I've written about the Sixers, Eagles, and Phillies so far. I'll do the Flyers early next week because they open a week from when – a week from tonight out west. Um, colleges, I'll be doing some colleges, Villanova basketball and so on. So kind of like the – pretty much whatever in the Philadelphia area is the most uh, – Pressing, or perhaps uh, you know, people might be interested in, or a, a good story somewhere is what I'm going to be uh, working on. A man for all seasons, and it is a busy time right now with all four uh, teams in play. And Tom, since you're writing about all sports, now let's first focus on the Eagles because you know they're the Eagles, and this is a Philadelphia Eagles town. Most fans are happy that the team is two and one, but it seems like there's still not a lot of love for the head coach Doug Peterson. What do you make of that? 
That's funny you say that. I literally, I was at Eagles today. I just got home, and my column is, the, the lead is that is he, is he being treated fairly, you know, because huh. it's easy to point to the fourth and eight, and it's easy to point to 56, pa- 56 uh, passes and 13 runs the week before in Kansas City. But the bottom line is they're 2-1. and one, They're 2-0 and oh in the division. He did run the ball. He did make some adjustments. They had a ton of injuries on defense. They still found a way to beat the Giants. So it's a very good question. I mean, he's not – you know, charismatic. He doesn't give great answers, um, but it's not just the media, the fans. I mean, there was a lot of griping even Monday. They won, but it's, well, you know, the the, the mantra was, well, we wouldn't have beaten a, a really good team and, you know, stuff like that. So it, it's a very interesting question, and I can certainly see, uh, you know, I, I didn't understand why LeGarrette Blount didn't have any carries against Kansas City. Uh, to me, if that's the case, you, you should release him. I mean, what's the point of having him on the team? This week you saw he can still run the ball a little bit. He may not be a 1,000-yard back anymore or 18 touchdowns like he had for the Patriots last uh, last week. But, you know, you, you need to use him. And I think, I think you know, it's a, he's a second-year head coach, and he's learning, and he's figuring things out as he, as he goes too. So perhaps maybe we need to remember that sometimes. Yep. Well, Tom, and as a follow-up to that, it seems like the, uh, the there hasn't been too many fans or coaches around here other than maybe Dick Vermeil and uh, Buddy Ryan that the fan base has ever liked. The Buddy never won anything. Uh, even Andy Reid, as successful as he was, is still not very well liked in this town. So uh, is is there any making anybody happy? Yeah, I think that's part of it, too, uh, to be honest with you, because – you know, the sports talk is on all the time, and, and, and every day, you know, you need a topic or something to focus on. And, you know, some of these things are pretty easy in terms of, you know, it's it doesn't take a whole lot to say, well, what the heck is he doing? Why is he doing this? Why isn't he doing that? Et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, I think in this day and age where everything's micromanaged and everything's on social media and, and all that, I think, I think that, uh, uh, you know, the days of, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, Vince Lombardi or, you know, guys like that that are revered. I, I think it, it, it's not that way anymore. Society is not like that anymore. As you mentioned, Tom, the Birds did actually run the ball quite a bit last Sunday and did so effectively without this guy. But how much will you will the loss of Darren Sproles hurt the team going forward? What is your take on the backs who, who are going to be sharing the load now, Blunt, Smallwood, and Corey Clement? Yeah, I mean, he, you know, he he was clearly your best receiver out of the backfield, and uh, you know, he just had that burst. He, he just had a knack, and and the the punt return, you know, that that all those things when you kind of combine. Yeah, I would think it means Blount and, and primarily Blount and Smallwood. They did give Clement a shot. He carried the ball a little bit a couple times in the fourth quarter. You know, of a tight game on Sunday, but yeah, I, I they signed Kenyon Barner. You know, who's going to return. Uh, get involved in the return game now who have played for them, you know, last year. Um, so, yeah, it's I would assume kind of across the board, all those guys are going to, you know, are going to get a little bit more, a few more touches. You hope that, you know, at 34 that it sounds like Sproles is going to try to come back. Um, but, you know, that's a, the ACL is a pretty significant injury, you know, to overcome and take, you know, nine months or more of, you know, pretty hard work. So, but he is, yeah, probably the most beloved Eagle with the fans and his teammates. I mean, if you remember last year when 
he took that hit on the on the punt where he, you know he didn't even have a chance to catch it. I mean, some of the Eagle players were really angry, uh, you know, and, and visibly angry because uh, he's just such a good guy and he's so valuable and he's such a such a classy, respectful young man. Oh yeah. Hey Tom, speaking of injuries, uh, there's a whole bunch of other ones. It looks like Fletcher Cox is going to be out for maybe a couple weeks, and Jordan Hicks looks like he may be in. Uh, overall, how how is the defense mainly from an injury standpoint? Yeah, well, it looks like uh, probably Rodney McLeod. There's a decent chance he's back. I mean, that's that's Chris Marigos how did this playing come- center field the whole game. Yeah, I mean, he's a special teamer. That was his third eight years in the league. I mean, he was the only other healthy safety they had other than the kid they signed Wednesday who had been with the Bills and was there for three days. So, you know, to try to expect him to understand calls or, you know, if there are, if there are audibles or things that need to be changed on the fly, just was too soon for him to play. But Hicks, I, I did see Hicks doing some stuff today. He was at least a limited participant. So I would think on a Wednesday that's a good sign that he there's probably a decent chance he plays, which is – significant although you know Kendricks has been playing terrific uh what they did is they just played nickel all the time so they only needed two linebackers and they had five you know defensive backs three cornerbacks and two safeties and that's what they had almost the entire time and you know the young as as all the questions and everything that we heard about the secondary and even with Darby out you know they've done a decent job I mean they, they really have they haven't been brutalized like kind of everybody was you know expecting um but yeah Fletcher Cox you know you have Bo Allen you have Jernigan plays more etc um that's a that's a tough loss and that's a guy that you know tends to get double teamed which makes it easier for the other tackle and the two ends um you know to get single blocked to, to have a better chance to get to the quarterback or make a play so Cox is a significant significant loss yeah, and, and as a follow-up, I was uh, one of the things I was really surprised about in this game on Sunday is the defensive line seemed to struggle a bit uh, all day long. They didn't get the pressure. The, the Giants' offensive line is uh, is not playing well, but they, they seem to play pretty well against that Eagles defensive front, and I was a little surprised at that. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, Eli was getting the ball out unbelievably quick, you know, typically, but there were times where they were full drop back so he scrambled around and he was not sacked once and he was sacked eight times in the first two weeks so yeah I was I I thought at least the times that they went to a regular drop back I thought that they would get more pressure and and I know how maligned the Giants offensive line had been so I'm not sure if it would you know what exactly the reason was like I said I know maybe 80 percent of the time they he went to those really quick where he threw the ball in two seconds or less, which is ver- which is very very fast and difficult. You have to beat your man clean, you know, to get a hit on the quarterback on a play like that. But they're going to need to be more act more aggressive and more active at getting to Philip Rivers on Sunday. Hey Tom, I'm a big fan of Carson Wentz, like you know, most Eagles fans are. But I still have a couple concerns. Uh, one thing about his decision making, like even on that fourth and eighth that everybody's been talking about the last three days, he had a couple of guys who were open. Both Blount and uh, Nelson Aguilar seemed to be open, and instead he took the sack, which put them in an even worse field position. And the other thing is his accuracy throwing, especially on the deep balls. It's just not where it should be yet. Do you agree on both of those counts? Yes. Matter of fact, he was asked today. He talked uh, at the. Uh, he was the last guy to talk. 
uh, in the auditorium today at NovaCare, and he was asked about the deep balls. And he said, you know, he, 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 Jeffrey was open on that one, and he missed, you know, he missed them. Um, mm-hmm. He threw it. I guess it was, I believe it was too far, a little too long, a little too far out of bounds, you know, for the, for the, uh, the route he was running. But, yes, I, I, I think that's something, I mean, hopefully, I mean, the good thing is they do throw the ball deep at least a couple times, so at least the defense knows that he can throw the ball 45 yards. But you're right, the next step would be if they could complete one of those, it would really, you know, make the safeties and the corners, um, you know, perhaps have to give a little bit more space and and make those shorter kind of dink and dunk passes, um, you know, better. But, yes, it's decision-making on that fourth and eighth, for example. He had um, Blount, op- Blount was open short of the first down mark, but still four or five yards downfield, so he would have needed three or four more yards you can't take a sack there that's the one thing you cannot do you have to try to make a play um because you know he got sacked lost six yards um and he needs to make decisions he's holding the ball a little bit too long he needs to be more decisive or Mm -hmm. out of the pocket throw the ball throw throw the ball away and i mean i think he's you know he i think he thinks and he's a better runner than he gets credit for and i think he he is uh you know pretty good that way and i think he thinks that he can get away, and he doesn't always feel the pressure and realize that guys are bearing down on him. I agree wholeheartedly. Hey, Tom, the Birds head west this weekend to face an 0-3 Chargers team that like the winless Giants in week uh, two or no, week three. Uh, will be a desperate team, perhaps trying to salvage their season. What do you think of this matchup, the Eagles and Chargers? Well, it's, it's funny. It's the same. It's the same matchup as last week with the Giants, except it's not a divisional yep. rival, and the team's. Oh, and three, not, uh, you know, oh, and two, but yeah, you know, the, the, uh, Rivers throws the ball a lot and tends to complete the ball a lot. Um, Joey Bosa is a terrific young defensive end. I mean, they have some, they have some quality players. Um, and the Eagles have decided they usually fly on Friday when they go cross country, they're going Saturday. Um, I'm not sure exactly why, but they hmm. made that decision. So that's what they're doing. Usually, you know, given an extra day to adjust, but the, but that's what they're doing. So I believe the line, the Chargers are favored by one. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, uh, yeah, it's it, it, it's kind of a. And then you have a home game with Arizona in the following week. You're coming off, you know, in a, a you know a, a pretty emotional, dramatic win over a division rival. You're two and zero. So there was a lot of talk today about not letting down and all that stuff. And the players are saying all the right things and so on. But, you know, they're, they're going to be playing in a soccer stadium in front of 30,000 people. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it, so, you know, there are, there are elements that you could, you know, you know and, the, and the Chargers have not generally played very well. I mean, they've been, they were competitive at times, but they've also had some, you know, a bad outing, uh, perhaps a bad outing and a half. So, um, yeah, you know, it's, I mean, I, the Eagles, the position they're in right now, if they were going to be two and one, they won the two games they needed to win in terms of tiebreakers. That was very, very important. You want to be greedy and say they, they should be three and zero, or could be three and zero. That's clearly, you know, clearly the case. But I think going into the season, most people thought they would lose at KC, which is a really good, you know, home field team. So where they are is, is probably about as reasonable, you know, if you're reasonable as, uh, you know, as positive a scenario as you could expect. Hey, Tom, shifting gears over to the Sixers for for a few minutes. Uh, you tweeted, I guess, 
um, that you <laughs> think Joel Embiid is about a 30% chance of playing on opening night, and uh, and you also wrote a column about the plateaus he needs them uh, to reach to even get to five on five. How how far out is Embiid from starting for the Sixers? It's yeah, it's really it's just such a hard thing to say because they're saying he hasn't had a setback, and they're saying. Um, you know, uh, it's just sl- progressing slowly. But, I mean, this was a minor niece, as the Sixers called it, March 24th when he had it, which is more than six months ago, that he had, quote, successful minor knee surgery. Um, you know, that seems like a long time. Um, he uh, – now, Okafor did scrimmage some today, which was a positive, uh, you know, development. He looks very good in terms of, you know, cutting weight and, and being leaner. But, uh, you know, that really they're as exciting as, as excited as everybody is with Fultz and Simmons and all that, you know, if they don't have Joel Embiid playing 60 games or, you know, a significant part of the season, uh, you know, the playoffs I, I don't think are realistic because he does so many – he's the most irreplaceable sixer. He does so many things at both ends that they just can't – nobody else can do. As far as the 30%, you know, I, I don't really know um, – but he's got some steps to take before he's ready to scrimmage. And the regular season starts three weeks from tonight. They've already said he's not going to scrimmage the rest of camp, which runs through uh, Friday. They'll be off Saturday. They have an open scrimmage Sunday at the Palestra. Then they practice Monday and Tuesday. And then the preseason opener is, next, is a week from tonight against the Grizzlies. So it, it comes pretty fast here. He needs to take some weight off. He's lost some weight since when I saw him in early in July, but he needs to take some weight off and he needs to keep kind of hitting these plateaus and doing more things. He's just been doing like one-on-one with, you know, Sixers staffers and shooting drills and stuff like that, but he's not moving full speed or, you know, doing, um, you know, he's got a ways to go. And Brian Colangelo has said repeatedly that they're not going to rush him back, that it's all about the big picture and long-term they're not going to, you know, risk his health by by put, get him out here for the opener on October 18th in Washington or the home opener on October 20th against the Celtics. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, it could be more than 30%, but just based on his injury history and the fact that he's played 31 out of 246 games in his career and the fact that they've been generally so conservative with their approach with him, I just thought, well, you know, if, if I'm being honest, I think it's less than 50-50 that he's ready for the – start of the season and if he is he's probably going to be on a minutes restriction and he probably won't play in back-to-backs at least to start the season which he never played in back-to-backs last year and his last game was at the end of January so he was healthy for the bulk of of three months last year (laughs) crazy Mm. hey Tom I remember you told me last May before the Sixers traded up for that top overall pick that you liked Markel Fultz a lot and that he'd be a great fit for the Sixers so now Brett Brown insists Ben Simmons will be a true point guard even at 6'10 or 6'11 or whatever he is now. But what is your uh, take? Is that going to work with Simmons at the point guard and fellow number one overall pick Markel Fultz? Are they going to play together and, you know, work it out? I mean, I th- that's the plan is Fultz will be off the ball generally. Um, now, as Brett has explained it, if somebody gets a rebound and they go to outlet it and Fultz is there, give it to him and he goes in transition, either one of them can handle the ball. But he wants, in half court, when they set up their offense, he wants Simmons with the ball because at 6'10 or 6'11, as you said, 
He, he can see over defenses. Um, it just gives them a lot of options. If they put a smaller guy on him, they could post him up. I mean, he played mainly power forward in college. Um, Fultz, my, my supposition is, you know, let's say the first six minutes they play together, then Simmons comes out, and then maybe for three minutes Fultz is the point guard with some of the second unit guys, and then Fultz comes out so they can kind of stagger them. So Fultz will get time at the point. Um, where he's the true point guard and not just, you know, when they're in transition, if the, if the rebound comes to his side, he has the ball. So, but I mean, it's, it's a work in progress. The, the plan is for him to probably Simmons to defend power forwards. So, you know, you, you, you know, that could be tricky where if they don't, if, if they have their three man guarding you and then, you know, you, you guys, you take a shot, your team takes a shot and misses. Now you've got to find the guy you're guarding at the other end. I mean, it, it, there's definitely things that they're not sure how it's going to go, and they really don't know. Um, you know, can Ben Simmons make enough jump shots to keep defenses honest? Or if not, they're just going to pack everybody in, and that'll make it harder not just for him, but for Joel Embiid if he's healthy or whoever, you know, is, is playing down low. There'll be more bodies down there. So it's very important. And that's the biggest thing with, with J.J. Redick, that he just helps him spread the floor. He should, you know, uh, Embiid and Simmons specifically should really benefit from Redick's presence. Hey, Tom, it seemed like Joel Embiid, or not Joel Embiid, Joel Okafor last year was the uh, the odd man out, the, the elephant in the room kind of guy, and, and he's still around. How, where do you see him fitting this year? The guy can score in this league. Yeah, I... I don't know. I mean, yesterday when we were let in um, with Embiid not playing, Chris Humphreys was running with the first, you know, what would be the first team, which was Simmons, Fultz, Reddick, and Covington. Um, doesn't mean that he will necessarily long-term, and apparently today they were more mixed and matched. But, you know, if you're looking at it in terms of what the Sixers, you know, as somebody with, with if Embiid is in and out of the lineup or whatever – Humphreys might be a better fit here than Okafor, despite, you know, how, you know, what a good scorer he is and so on. I would not be surprised. Brian Colangelo is holding out and holding out and trying to get what he perceives as fair value. And that's been happening since June of 16, you know, before the draft. So I would not be surprised if, you know, they make a move, whether they trade him for a protected first round pick or whatever before the start of the season. I, I think it's, he needs a new start. And I think it's, it's just not going to work here in terms of what they want him to do. He doesn't fit well. It's not, you know, it's not all his fault. It's just the way that the system is. Rashawn Holmes is a much better fit in terms of being athletic and running the floor, uh, blocking shots, things like that. So um, perhaps, you know, it, it's time or close to time where it might be, you know, to make a move and get, give him a chance to start somewhere else, which I think he would prefer too. Tom, we talked about Joel Embiid. We talked about the rookie guards, Fultz and Simmons. Uh, you mentioned J.J. Redick, I think a great addition. How about uh, Dario Saric and Robert Covington? Uh, they're going to have key roles as well this season. There's a lot of talent on this team. Yes. No, yeah, I think Saric, yeah, Saric is going to be the sixth man. I would assume he would be like the first first guy off the bench unless, you know, the center gets two quick fouls or – Simmons, let's say Simmons or um, or Fultz or Reddick, any of those guys get fouled, then then you bring somebody you bring somebody else in. Covington will start uh, at the three, I guess you would say, and he will defend the other team's best wing player, 
primarily threes, but if they have a uh, you know a shooting guard who's really really good, he could defend them. Um, um, and I think Jared Bayless, if he's healthy, I think he's the first guard off the bench. He's a veteran. He only played three games last year because he had a wrist a ligament injury in his wrist and ended up having surgery. But he can play both guard spots. He's a veteran. He's a good shooter. Um, I could see him, um, you know, getting 15 or 20 minutes a night again if he's healthy. Their their depth, their bench should be a, a lot better. They have more sort of legitimate NBA players, some more guys with experience, which I think, you know, makes Brett Brown a lot more comfortable. You know, guys, even guys like Chris Humphreys, I mean, he's a journeyman, but when you put him out there, Amir Johnson, you you pretty much have an idea what you're going to get. With Simmons and Fultz, there's going to be nights where they look unbelievable, and there's going to be other nights where they're two for ten with seven turnovers. And Fultz is mm. 19, and Simmons hasn't played, and he's trying to play a new position. Mm. So you have yeah. to realize it's not going to be a slow progression. There's going to be, you know, peaks and valleys. Well, uh, Tom, I was going to ask you about Ben Simmons, and, and you pretty much just addressed it right there. But uh, what do you think overall of, uh, you know, maybe it's just the media or whatever, but these guys, young guys, showing an awful lot of confidence uh, for not having done too much yet in this league. What, what do you think of that confidence, good or bad? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess it's, you know, I, I guess it's good. I, I'd rather be confident than, than you know, afraid. But I mean, yesterday, you know, Fultz uh, saying about, he, you know, he, he he the rest of the league, you know, doesn't know how the rest of the league is going to handle the two of them. And and hmm. uh, uh, Simmons said yesterday said, I'm a winner. And you know, I thought generally people are supposed to tell you you're a winner or you're supposed to prove you're a winner before <laughs> you anoint yourself. Like, yeah, I just sort of was taking it. It reminded me of kind of Doug Collins. That was his mantra is always a winner, never a champion. You know, it's, it's kind of like, hmm, okay, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but then again, two years ago, when we were down at Media Day, Okafor was talking about making the playoffs, and they won 10 games that year. It came within one, you know, they won one game. There were one game from tying the 72-73 Sixers for the worst record in NBA history, you know, in an 82-game season. So sometimes they just don't know, and a lot of times that's it. It's totally new, and they don't realize what they're in for, just how, you know, how, how good and how experienced and, and everything. Brett Brown likes to say, and I believe it's true, um, it, it, it's been since the lockout season in 98-99 when uh, Michael Dickerson and Catino Mobley with Houston were the starting guards as rookies on a team that made the playoffs, and that was the Rock. Hmm. and Charles Barkley was on that team late. It, the point is it doesn't happen very often, first of all, that there are two rookies playing together, and if they're – if it does happen, there are a lot of growing pains, and you know it's unusual to have a lot of success because they have the ball in their hands a lot. And when you turn the ball over, and you know you're learning the league and so on, that that takes time. The travels a grind, everything. So, you know, I understand that people are optimistic, but for those thinking that they're going to be third or fourth or you know in the conference, I think that's a little overly optimistic. I think they could get in the playoffs if things go well, and if Embiid plays you know, the bulk of the season or, you know, 55-plus games or whatever. But I see them more as a 500-type team if all goes well, um, which could be enough for 7th or 8th in the East or whatever. I think that would be a big step. But if Embiid does not, you know, plays less than half the games or whatever, they said they're going to have a really difficult time replacing him. 
Well, Tom, that was going to be my final question. I know you can't predict how many games Embiid will play, how healthy he's going to be, um, but just knowing what you know and your best guess, how many wins for the Sixers and what playoff seed do you think they'll end with? I'll, I'll be relatively optimistic that Embiid plays a good portion of the season, so I'm going to say 38 wins, and I think in the East that'll be good enough for the – I'm going to say the seventh seed because there, there, there's a, you know, the West is so much better, so much more talent. And you look at, you know, the Bulls um, with Jimmy Butler, getting rid of Jimmy Butler and the Pacers with Paul George. Um, you know, there are some playoff teams that are not going to be that good that are in rebuilding mode. So I think the Sixers, again, assuming Embiid plays 55 plus games, I think they could you know, certainly have a decent shot to make the playoffs in that case. And I'll say, as I said, 38 wins and seven seeds. Okay. Very good. Well, hey, Tom, we have used up all your time, and uh, we certainly thank you again for joining us, and uh, we appreciate you taking the time. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Take care. All right. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. We'll get back to the sports talk in just a moment, but right now we say hi to Chris Gasco from the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorn. And, Chris, you guys have a huge event on tap this weekend. Yes, it's finally here. So dust off your later hosen and join us for Oktoberfest this Saturday from 11 to 6 p.m. All kinds of wonderful things going on. We have a signed hoisting competition starting at 4 o'clock. Great beers on draft, some of our favorite German food. It's a great day. A long time ago, Chris, I worked at a Bavarian festival two summers in a row, and I remember how much fun it was. I'm sure this will be awesome as well. What kind of German food items do you have on the menu? Well, we've got uh, brockwurst, knockwurst, chicken, schnitzel with homemade spetzel and gravy, potato salad, and, of course, we have to have a couple pretzels along with our beer. Love the schnitzel. It all happens 11 to 6 this Saturday at the Irish Rover Station House on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorn. Schnitzel and German beer at an Irish pub. Hey, why not? Why not? There it is, Chad. It's time to welcome our fantasy football guru, Fred Hugo, back to the show. Fred, welcome. Any big surprises this past week in fantasy football? Hey, I, I got my butt kicked. This, well, I won my, my leagues, but uh, the, my picks were, were off. Yeah, the, 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 uh, there was a lot of upsets, which, which throw off a lot of surprises, even the, the Jaguars blowing out the Ravens in London. But my main one that, that hurt me out of my picks, I think I went about 50%, but Jay Ajahi against the Jets put up like nothing. So that, that was one of the big fantasy surprises out there as the Jets won and they pretty much shut down the Dolphins offense altogether. All right, we're into week four now, Fred. So give us the rundown. Who plays? Who are you going to sit? All right, so week four, uh, starting at the quarterback position, starting. Uh, we talked about him a couple weeks ago um, when he played, I think it was Monday night. But I'm going to start Trevor. He may even be on your waiver wire. Trevor Simeon against the Raiders. Um, the, the Raiders have been giving up 20 points a game to, to quarterbacks. So I think that's going to be a good start. They didn't look great. Cousins tore them up um, Sunday night. So I'm going to start Trevor Simeon. As far as sit at the quarterback position, I'm going to go on the opposite side of the ball in that game, and I'm going to say sit Derek Carr. Watching him Sunday night, and ironically he has the number four, 
pass rush was getting to him, and he, he looked like he was seeing ghosts. He, he almost reminded me of Kevin Cobb. So I'm going to say sit him on the road against the Broncos. At the running back position, I'm going to say start Dalvin Cook against the Lions. The Lions have been giving up an average of 23.9 or so in PPR leagues to running backs. Dalvin Cook's a good running back, and, and the Minnesota offense seems to be rolling with or without Bradford. So start um, geez, Dalvin Cook. Um, at the uh, As far as sit, I would sit Carlos Hyde against the Cardinals defense. Carlos Hyde has had a back-to-back 20-point weeks, but the Cardinals defense has not – allowed a runner above 80 yards. It looks like Ezekiel Elliott started to get going Monday night, but he still only had 80 yards, and that was late in the game. I would sit Carlos Hyde at the wide receiver position. I would start Jarvis Landry. Um, that They're facing a Saints defense that's not so great against the pass, but more importantly, Miami, because they had the bye week, week one, have only played two games, and in those two games, he's had about 26 targets, so they're definitely looking to get the ball to Jarvis Landry, and, and he would he would be a good option this week to start. As far as sitting, I'm going to start Pierre Garçon. I mean, I'm not, ugh, not start, sit Pierre Garçon. He had a great week last week, but again, much like I'm talking about the running back position, the Cardinals defense, the last four weeks, uh, receivers have averaged about 56 yards against them. So I would sit Pierre Garçon, even though he had that great week last week. At the tight end position, I'm going to go ahead and start Travis Kelsey. He's coming off a, I believe, one he had one catch for one yard last week for the Chiefs. He's known as an elite tight end, but the Redskins have given up a ton of points to tight ends. I think he's a must start against the Redskins. Um, as far as sitting tight ends, I would sit Falcons tight end Austin Hooper after 25 points in week one. He hasn't even got above three points the last two weeks. Buffalo has a great defense who has allowed a total of 22 points to fantasy tight ends over the last three weeks. So definitely sit, if not cut, Austin Hooper from your roster. On the defensive end, I'm going to start the Bengals defense against the Browns offense. Um, I'm going to sit the Lions defense, which is a top-ranked defense in fantasy, but they're facing a Minnesota offense that's putting up a ton of points. Defenses against them are averaging only about two points a game, and of the the two points a game, two of those three weeks have scored in the negative. So I would sit the Lions defense. And then at the kicker spot, like I said, I don't put too much stock in it. I kind of just look at over-unders and see what the high points are going to be. So I'm going to I'm going to say start Dan Bailey of the Cowboys, and then I'm going to say sit Adam Vinatieri against the Seahawks. And that's it for Very start good. one, sit one. Well, hey, hey, Fred, I'm going to give you a hint, a fantasy football hint. You heard it here first, okay? okay. Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, saw him with my own eyes, played lights out. New starter, going to be nothing but big for Bill O'Brien and those Texans. You think? He's, he's, he's definitely got the wheels. Saw yeah. it with my okay, eyes. Cool. Played this week or are you just saying in general? Extremely well. Are you saying extremely well this week or you just mean overall like he'll have, he's going to be a good fantasy quarterback through the year? Through the year. I don't even know who he's playing this this week, but I'm just telling you, the kid's going to be a star. Cool. Good. My brother's a big Clemson fan. He he loves Deshaun Watson, so he'll be happy to well, hear that. 
I wasn't sure that I, that he would turn into being a pro quarterback, but uh, got like I said, got to see it with my eyes, and he played extremely well last week in New England. All right, good. I'll pay more attention. All right. Okay, well, hey, Fred, let's get on with our picks. Let's see how uh, how we did first, Chad. How did we go last week, and where do we stand for the season before we get on to this week's picks? Well, we all picked the Eagles over the Giants. You, Bill, were the only one wise enough to take the Redskins over the visiting Raiders Sunday night. And I was the only one who foolishly took the Cardinals to beat the Cowboys on Monday night. So, yeah, I had a tough one and two weekend regarding the NFC East games. Fred was two and one. And Bill, you blind squirrel, you you somehow went three and zero oh. <laughs> for the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you're, you're proud of yourself. For the season, we have Bill at seven and two, Fred at five and four, and yours truly at four and five. Mm. And as I mentioned to you in a text earlier today, uh, Chad, I forget what I picked that Eagles Giants game, but I said it was going to be close, and I think I was real close. And speaking of the Eagles-Giants game, before we go on with our picks, uh, for a little inspiration for all of us, let's hear Merrill Reese's call of Jake's, uh, Jake Elliott's 61-yard game-winning field goal right here. 61 yards. Hold your breath. Ball is spotted. The kick is away. And the kick is... It's gone! And the Eagles win! <laughs> this is that dream I talked about. They win! 61 yards, the longest kick in Eagles history. There you go. <laughs> hey, you know, I was saying, when Merle said, hold your breath, I'm thinking, you know how long it takes for a ball to get 61 yards? I don't know if I can hold my <laughs> breath that long. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> uh, all right, Fred, let's get it going. Rams at Dallas, Dallas minus six. Let's start with that one. Rams at Dallas. I'm going to um... – I think it'll be a close one. I I want to say my my head's telling me Cowboys, Cowboys but I, I don't know. I just got a feeling that the Rams are going to win this one. So I'm I'm going to take the Rams in in a close one. Call okay. me nuts, but I think the Rams I think the Rams have a legitimate shot at knocking off the Cowboys down in Big D. But you know what? I learned my lesson last week and will pick with my head this time instead of my heart and I will take the stinking Cowboys to pull that one off, but I hope that I'm wrong. Well, and Cowboys are going to win that game. They're 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 going to start running the ball. They're you know they're going to get back to trying to do what they do best, and uh, they're going to run the football, and they are going to beat the Rams. Next, all right, Fred Giants at Tampa Bay. Giants minus three. Giants zero oh and three. Giants are minus three. All right, zero oh and three. Tampa. They stink. I, I picked them to win a division, but they stink. I'm, I'm taking Tampa all the way there. I think Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson will, will get moving this week. And uh, I, I'm going to go Bucks definitely. Yeah, me too. I haven't really looked at uh, too much of the particulars, but the Giants, I think, played pretty well in that second half, obviously, against the Eagles. But I just don't think they're a great team. I think Tampa Bay rebounds and wins that game. So the Bucks over the Giants. Yeah, Bucks over the Giants, uh, Tampa Bay at home. They're they've got a lot of weapons and they they haven't put it all together yet, but they've got a ton of weapons on the offensive side of the ball. Giants are still bad. They're they're bad. Tampa Bay wins. Okay, Monday night, Redskins at Kansas City, KC minus 7. KC in a route. 
I think Casey routes, routes the, uh, the Redskins. Travis Kelsey is going to have a big day in fantasy, as I said. Alex Smith, Kareem Hunt. I'm going to go uh, Andy Reid and the Chiefs. Yeah, not a whole lot needs to be said about this one. Chiefs are looking real good. They're always tough at Arrowhead. So Chiefs for sure in that one pretty easily. Yeah, I'm going Chiefs too. I, I don't know about a route, um, but I, I, I'm certainly going to go with Kansas City to win the game. All right, that's last uh, Eagles go out west to San Diego. Always tough. Chargers are minus one. What do you got, Fred? Eagles traveling out on the road to the West Coast. Doug Peterson got some flying in, I believe, on Saturday. Um, yep. The line, I'm going, kind of looking at the line here. It, it, it's not an Eagles line at all. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to say the Chargers are gonna pull this one out. They're 0 and 3. They're probably not gonna go 0 and 4. I'm unfortunately, I'm gonna have to take the Chargers here. I've gone back and forth on this one the last two days. I'm really torn. L.A. is 0-3. They're certainly not that bad. They are favored by a point, as you guys pointed out. They're desperate for a win. Phillip Rivers, always capable of a huge game. But I have a hunch that unlike last year when the Eagles lost six games by seven points or fewer, I think the Birds are going to win several of those kind of games this year, just as they did in week three over the Giants. So I'm taking the Eagles in this one out west. Eagles 27-20 to 20 over the Chargers. Well, who would have ever thought, Mr. Chesko? I think the Eagles are going to go out there and win myself. Uh, I do think they will have a challenge with Phillip Rivers. He can he can fill the air with footballs, and he's pretty good. But uh, they've got to contain Joey Bosa, keep him out of the backfield. And uh, I like the Eagles to win this game. I also think it's going to be close, though. I'm going to go 24-20 birds. 24-20 birds. I'm writing that one down. See how you do this one. Write it down. So, that's so, a good point uh, with Joey Bosa, man. What's that? I said that, that was a really good point about Joey Bosa. That's going to be huge to, to contain him. Yep, yep. And he should be lined up against Jason Peters. So, you got, you know, you got the old pro that slowed down a little bit against a young monster defensive end. Good player, Joey Bosa. Sounds like Fred is in a West Coast state of mind. He picked both the Rams and the Raiders to win this week. Or the Rams and the Chargers, I should say. Right. Well, since you said that, and it's weird that you did say that, I actually will be heading out west to the West Coast. I have uh, my bachelor party in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm leaving tomorrow night. So. Whoa. And, and I didn't Whoa. get my invite. When's the wedding? Uh, about in a month from today, October uh, 27th. October 27th. All right, All right All Fred. Right. Well, hey, thanks a lot, my man, and we will see you next week. Have fun in uh, Vegas. Sounds good. See you next week. See you guys. All righty. Take care, Fred. Hey, Chet, the Phillies managed to get win number 63 last night, thus avoiding what looked like a certain 100-loss season. We said we were going to stay on the Reese Hoskins train, and we will after that excitement he brought in September. But the big guy's struggling a little bit. His average is down to 268, and uh, he's kind of stuck on 18 home runs, although he does have 47 RBIs. You concerned? No. Still knocking in some runs. But, yeah, he's gone 12 or 13 days now, something like that, without going yards. Surprising. 
I'll stand by my statement of last week that he is the real deal. I have no worries about Reese, but there are still lots of other question marks as the season winds down. Well, yeah, and, and you know, I think uh, it's going to be a real interesting offseason. You know, did J.P. Crawford, he's done a nice job. Did he play well enough for the Phils to think they can move Freddie Galvis, who has just one year left on his contract? Uh, you know, what's the outfield going to look like in 2018? Of course, the starting pitching is, uh, is certainly going to be looked at hard in the offseason, and Pete doesn't have a contract. No, he said he has not been guaranteed uh, that he's coming back next year. I think he will. We'll see. Uh, I want to save some of this for next week, Bill, but in a nutshell, I'm still not sure about the shortstop situation. I really like Freddie Galvis, who has turned into a real team leader. Crawford certainly has shown some flashes, but I'm still not sure how it's going to turn out or how it should be handled. Michael Franco, of course, figures into this whole issue. I do like the outfield a lot. I'd be fine with watching Nick Williams, Odubel Herrera, and Aaron Altair play together for an entire season. The pitching, well, that's a whole nother thing that would require more than two minutes to properly address. Yeah. Well, you know, what we'll do is we'll put a little time uh, aside next week because it will be the uh, season ending. We can look at our predictions, which neither one of us did very good on those and uh We'll, we'll look at all that a little bit closer next week, but I think it's going to be an interesting off season. And thank goodness they won number sixty-three. Yeah, we don't want to see a hundred lost season, that's for sure. Hey, Bill, I'm going to take a gamble here. We have a caller, and I'm not sure who it is, but let's just see who it is and uh, see what we got going here. Uh, hey, you're on Philly Press Box Radio. Who do we have here? Uh, Matt McClure. Big hey, Matt. Matt, what's going on? You, did you call to brag because you won the Philly Press Box Radio Pick'em Pool this week? Yeah, yeah. I was really excited. <laughs> I was very excited, you know. Yeah, I, hey, Chet, 10, and, 10 and 6. Yeah. And I, tell him what he's I, won I, for that, Bill. Tell him what he's won. He has won the <laughs> chance to play again this week. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so, Matt, you won the tiebreaker dead on. You hit it dead on. Yeah, you know, I – it was a it was a lucky pick. I mean, that's all I really can say about it. You know, it was a it was a really lucky pick. You know, I really well, and and you know, uh, you won that tiebreaker. Actually, there was somebody that lost that tiebreaker by one point. So yeah. uh, you you were yeah. dead on. You actually won the whole entire week by a point, and a week with a ton of upsets, and you came up with uh, ten wins. Nice job. Yeah, I was really excited about it. I just had a question. Very good. Yeah. What's uh, what, what's your thoughts on uh, Saquon Barkley uh, winning the Heisman, or do you think Baker Mayfield will uh, contest for that, or or what's your thoughts on that? Well, I'll start it out, and I think he absolutely has a real good chance of winning the Heisman. Uh, that that clinic he put on the other night was something special, and and coming off of his last national TV appearance in the Rose Bowl. Uh, there's not much doubt in my mind who the best player in the country is. Mm-hmm. I was going to actually talk about that next. It's next on our agenda, Saquon Barkley. I don't know if you saw our script or what, Matt, but, yeah, we were going to talk about Saquon. Um, the win over mm-hmm. Iowa, a real na- nail-biter. I was a little worried the last two few minutes. But uh, as for Barkley, wow, what can you say? Blair Thomas told us last winter that Saquon Barkley had already established himself as Penn State's best-ever running back, and that kind of took us by surprise. But – you know, now it's certainly looking that way. I mean, he's got it all. Speed, moves, durability, can catch passes, can hurdle defenders when necessary, as we saw. The kid is amazing, and I just hope he stays healthy. 
wins the Heisman, mm-hmm. leads Penn State to a national title, and has a fantastic pro career. Is that asking too much? <laughs> Not much. <laughs> there you go. You guys, you guys think that the uh, the Eagles will, you know, trade up in the draft, you know, to maybe go out and get him? Or Boy, I would love think? to see that. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I, I don't know that they would do that, but uh, – because, I mean, he could go all the way to the top. It just depends. Yeah. He's certainly going to be a top yeah, three, four, five first, pick. Yeah, he'll be the first uh, running back taken. There's no doubt about oh, yeah. that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Matt. Well, hey, we appreciate you calling, and uh, good, congrats on winning the league. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right. Thanks, Catch Matt. you next time. No problem. All right. Hey, hey Chad, that's a follow-up uh, to Matt's question on Saquon Barkley. And uh, as a Penn State alumni, I know you have to be happy that the Nittany Lions are back in the national championship discussion. Oh, absolutely. What a game Saturday night. That was a lot of fun. As I said, I was a little concerned, a little worried going down the stretch. But uh, very exciting. Fourth and goal, and they, they score with no time remaining. It took a lot out of me, but uh, great to see. And as as we know, the schedule gets a little tougher now as we move along. I mean, Iowa is always a tough place to play. They got to be careful not to look ahead to the games with Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State. You know, a little further on in October and November. But so far, so good. Um, James Franklin a little cocky sometimes. I like that. I think it's going to be a fun season, and I would not be at all surprised if they were in the uh, playoffs come uh, January. They'll be one of the final four in December. Well, they, they certainly, as you said, they have a tough road there. They've got Michigan and Ohio State, the, you know, back-to-back. They've got some tough games. Uh, there's going to be no gimmies, and, and they certainly can't look by an Indiana team or something like that, uh, like they've got this week. They've got to got to play, but they have, a again, they have a ton of weapons. The offensive line is getting really good. The defense, you know, they, they out-minuted, if that's a word, Iowa forty to twenty in that game. It was yeah. a complete domination of the game, and then they almost let it get away. Yeah, they did. It was a little scary, but uh, yeah, the defense is really good. They they had a couple missteps, I guess, in the fourth quarter there. But I like that defense a lot, and I think they're going places. And we know Franklin has always said one game at a time, so I don't think they're going to overlook anybody. That's not what that team's going to do. No, I agree. I agree, but uh, they have to go to the horseshoe, and uh, that I, that one worries me a little more at Ohio State, even than Michigan coming to uh, coming to Happy Valley. That one at Ohio State, tough place to play. Oh yeah, this is a fun season, man. Hey, before I forget, I made a note of this, and I wanted to uh, sneak it in there. Our one of our favorite listeners, one of our most devoted listeners, Robbie Ellis. Her husband, Bob, was in the hospital for surgery yesterday, hip replacement. He's supposedly doing well, so that's great to hear. And uh, good luck, Bob, and I hope you're back in a week or two kicking field goals and extra points for the Ravens. Absolutely. I second that I as well. That and, uh, Robbie, Robbie's probably going to have him out on the dance floor pretty quick, so uh, he better get healthy So. Yeah, they love their live music, so I wouldn't be surprised to see them out this weekend. And uh, good luck, Bob. Absolutely. Hey, Chad, again, let's uh, thank all of our listeners and and visitors to the website, phillypressboxradio.com. We are one week away from celebrating our first website birthday. We passed that 20,000 visitor goal, and I think when we started that, we were hoping we got maybe 
2,000 or 1,000, so we're really excited about 20,000. It's because all you guys and girls and men and ladies that uh, visit the site, we keep trying to keep it updated. Uh, you can listen to all of our shows, also the Vimeos from our show guests, uh, lists of websites of our guests, and, of course, our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com. Just go to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, click on each of their displays to transfer to their websites. And speaking of our sponsors, I am serious. I will be heading to the Irish Rover this Saturday for their Oktoberfest bash, which I know is going to be awesome. I have a thing for German Umpa bands, not to mention schnitzel, German potato salad, and, of course, beer. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> got to go to the uh, got to go German at the Irish. There you go. Exactly. Well, hey, Chet, you have been on a roll with great guests, and you keep on getting it done. Who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday? Wait till you hear this one. We have a full show next week, Bill, with lots to talk about since the Eagles will have played a big game out west. The Sixers preseason is getting underway. The Phillies season will have just ended. And believe it or not, the Flyers regular season gets going next Wednesday night out on the coast. So with that in mind, we're going to be joined by a great hockey mind and a terrific guest. You know him from his many previous visits right here with us and his work at HockeyBuzz.com and the Flyers Alumni Organization. Bill Meltzer on the program. But wait, there's more. To review the Phillies 2017 season, take a look to the future, and a preview of the postseason, I'm going to have a taped interview with former ESPN baseball reporter Jason Stark. And Fred Hugo is back, of course, with more fantasy tips. So we may need more than an hour next week, Bill. Wow, good stuff. You know, uh, Bill and Jason, are, well, and Fred too, always outstanding. And, uh, boy, that's going to be good. You keep yeah, it rolling, Mr. Fast. Tesco. You're on it. You know it. You know it. All right. Well, hey, how about a parting shot for you tonight, sir? All right. These are some tense times in the sporting world. And, no, I'm not going to say anything beyond that regarding the protests and the anthem. But there have been a lot of pretty cool things that have happened lately as well. Over the weekend, we had Penn State's fourth and goal touchdown to beat Iowa with no time on the clock, followed 18 hours later by that 61-yard Jake Elliott walk-off field goal to beat the Giants at the link. On Monday in St. Louis, we saw the Cubs' Addison Russell replace the Cardinals' fans' nachos after the shortstop inadvertently knocked the plate of nachos out of the guy's hands while diving into the stands to try to snag a foul pop. But how about what Tommy Joseph did for a young Phillies fan? 12-year-old cancer patient Zach Witt of Boyertown last month caught one of Joseph's home runs in the left field seats. Actually caught it on the fly, by the way. Well, news of the young man's snag and subsequent TV interview with CSN's Greg Murphy filtered down to Joseph, and the Phil's sometimes first baseman invited Zach to Citizens Bank Park to hang with him before last Wednesday's ballgame against the Dodgers. They stretched together, worked out a bit, you know, threw to one another. Tommy introduced him to other players and collected autographs and some batting gloves. Zach, who was undergoing treatment for leukemia, loved it, of course. And Tommy, who is now a part-time player, thanks to the arrival of Reese Hoskins, got a start that night and hit a go-ahead home run in what turned out to be a 7-5 Phillies victory. Tommy Joseph may or may not be a Philly in 2018, but he'll always be a winner in my book. Wow, good good stuff, Tommy Joseph. Hats off, my friend. All right, Chet, my parting shot. Philly fans have been called many things, some good, like knowledgeable and passionate, some not so good, like the worst fans in pro sports. But what we've never been called is whiners. 
See, I had a chance to go to the Houston Texans at New England Patriots game this past Sunday. The Patriots fans fall in the category of being special. Or let's be not so nice and just call them the whiners that they are. They must quickly have forgotten that they're not only five-time Super Bowl champions, but they're also the defending champions. They actually booed Tom Brady in the offense for going three and out. Obviously, they never had Kevin Cobb, a quarterback. They dog-cussed Josh, Josh McDaniels' play calling on offense and Matt Patricia's defenses for giving up points. Obviously, they've never stood in our shoes. So, Eagles fans, keep being who you are, knowledgeable and passionate, rooting for the home team, and never, ever be a whiner. It's not what Philly is all about. Very good. Hey, we have right. a couple of minutes left. We have a couple of minutes left, and we have another caller on the line, so I'll uh, see if we can sneak one in real quick before we say goodnight. All so right. who is on the line and calling Philly Press Box Radio? Hey, this is the, uh, this is the honey badger. <laughs> the honey badger. Is, it, is this Danny Boy? Yeah, this is Danny Boy. I just wanted to check in with you guys let you know I'm still kicking. All We're right. glad to hear that. How's life? Life is good. Life is good. I mean, they're still uh, rebuilding me. I'll, 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 I'll probably literally be the six million dollar man minus the superpowers <laughs> before it's all over. But, but uh, it, it's all good. It's all good. Hey, I'm glad. I, actually, I wanted to say, uh, Bill. Bill actually just covered with his parting shot what I wanted to say. Talk about the Patriots fans being such whiners. That's unbelievable, isn't it? <laughs> it was brutal. <laughs> It, it was, was brutal. brutal. I know. Hey, and uh, congratulations to Fred Hugo getting married and going out to Vegas. I got married out in Vegas, and that's not. A, that's, there's no better place to have a bachelor party. I'm sure he's going to have a blast. Absolutely. One last thing. <laughs> yeah. One last yep. thing. One last thing. I'm. I, I know myself. I'm at the. I'm towards the bottom of the ball in the uh, office football pool. I am just doing terrible this year, but. Y'all better watch out for that catnip because she's on fire. Uh, <laughs> we'll be watching. We'll be watching. All, all right, right, Danny, we got to roll. All the best to you, my friend. Thank you. you guys all right, Danny, job. thanks for calling. Talk to you later. Thanks. Yep. All Bye. right, and, Jet, with that, we have reached the top of the hour, so let's thank our special guest, Tom Moore, Fred Hugo, Irish Rover Station House, and Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chechesko, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, October the 4th at 7 p.m., when Bill Meltzer, Jason Stark, and Fred Hugo join us. You can listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, or our Facebook page, or on the Internet at www.blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, or on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Mixcloud. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. Hey,